0: This is R. J. Rushdoony, easy chair number fifty-eight, October the fourteenth, nineteen eighty-three. We're still at the Beverly Garland, and our final interview here is with Jeffrey St. John, author, columnist, uh, TV and radio commentator, and a friend of ours. Otto and I have known Jeffrey for some time. Uh, Jeffrey is at work now on a book about Larry MacDonald. The shooting of the 007 is, as far as the politicians are concerned, past history. But I think that's a tragic mistake. When we sin, we prefer to regard it as past history within a matter of hours but God doesn't see things like that as past history. The consequences continue until we right the wrong we have done. Let me begin, Jeffrey, by saying that I was in Arizona when this occurred, and then left almost immediately at the day or the day after. Came back to California, went to Atlanta, where I was to have shared a platform with Larry McDonald, to Washington, D.C., and to Seattle. And everywhere, I heard a common reaction from people. They were disgusted with the reaction of President Reagan and the administration. They were disgusted with the reaction of the Democratic candidates. They were ashamed. I don't think that is going to disappear. I think we as a people are increasingly embarrassed by our federal government and what it is doing. To me, that's a healthy reaction. People are beginning to recognize that there is a loss of will to live, of a will to fight, of a will to make a moral stand in this country.
1: Yeah, I quite agree with you, Rush, because uh, what happened in this situation, it was not something that the Russians have gotten away with in terms of stealing our technology or in terms of throwing a spy out or these other obscenities which has characterized the Soviet regime uh, over, say, just in terms of 1945. This was something that every person, no matter how limited his knowledge of foreign affairs, uh, understood not only instinctually but under- and his reaction was honest moral outrage, not only at the incident but the progressive almost cowardice which permeated the uh, the reaction, uh, just the reaction of our State Department alone. Uh, Senator Orrin Hatch, in an interview that I've done for the book, comes right out and says that the thing that he is convinced is that if the Japanese, Senator Hatch told me, had not made as large a stink in Tokyo, he is convinced that the Reagan administration and the State Department would have swept this issue under the rug. And I'm afraid that given... The State Department's reaction in the almost mass assassination of part of the uh, South Korean cabinet in Burma, not a month after 007, uh, tends to confirm that. They insisted that the, that the South Koreans, who had half of their government blown away, uh, not overreact, uh, not take retaliatory measures against, uh, against the, uh, the South Korean government. I quite agree with you. I think that Reagan, uh, privately, uh, one of uh, Gene Kirkpatrick, our UN ambassador's aides, said to me, in doing working on this UN end of the story, said to me, We have, the administration does not understand that it has missed the bus. Mm-hmm. It has failed to perceive the anger and indignation. Of the american people and a lot of the world as a result of this and she said you know why i say that when um uh, deputy un ambassador lichtenstein said i will be at the dock waving you goodbye if you want to get the u.n out and the reaction was universally uh and it. and then of course yes. the administration backtracked you're quite right, right, Rush. What we're dealing with is we are dealing with institutionalized um, intellectual dishonesty and cowardice, and it has manifested itself through this 007 incident, and I don't think they, 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 they perceive that. No, they
0: have so isolated themselves from reality that they are unable to see that there is finally moral indignation developing among the American people. Very
1: tardily, but it is. Yeah, and and it's ironic uh, in one way that it took the shooting down and the murder of 269 people to focus so sharply uh, this kind of of moral anger and indignation. And more ironic that uh, uh, Larry McDonald had to perish before that Indignation to be focused. Yes, because they've shot down other planes before. As a matter of fact, my research thus far has revealed that we have not, uh, the Russians since the end of World War II, have shot down in terms of reconnaissance planes and civilian aircraft something in the neighborhood of 66 aircraft. We have lost 81 airmen uh, in these incidents who have been killed. We don't know how many have been captured and never returned. And uh, which, of course, illustrates a continuity of uh, cruelty and barbarism, which has always, of course, characterized uh, uh, the Soviet regime.
0: Jeffrey, uh, you've had an opportunity to talk with one of the many outstanding people who are here for our Arts and Media Conference, Uh, The Reverend Joseph Moorcraft. And Joe no doubt told you about the fact that Barry MacDonald had become not only a Christian, but a Christian Reconstructionist. That his last speech concluded with a statement that we had to work with all our heart, mind, and being for the kingdom of God until either we triumphed or we were buried. Moreover, as you know, Larry McDonald was building up an international network of information on what was transpiring and what the Soviet was doing, which constituted a major threat to the Soviet Union. He was our fearless voice on these issues in Congress, so we lost a dedicated Christian and... An international
1: leader I quite agree with you about the uh, the growth of his perception as to uh, the need for a theological foundation uh, on which to rest any long futuristic uh, reconstruction movement you could see it I have had the opportunity in doing the research on the book to look at his earlier written articles and speeches I spent uh, three days in his office going through his files and taking out selective samples from the time he came to Congress until his death and you clearly see a pattern developing in which there is more and more an emphasis on the spiritual the necessity of a uh, of a foundation uh, based uh, on uh, on uh, on biblical I mean, you see it just in terms of this, uh, the, the enormous increase in his quotations excuse me in terms of uh, his quoting uh, uh, from scripture mm-hmm. and it's rather remarkable just to, it's, it's almost a, a line and a trajectory that you see taking place in his writings over this period of 75 to uh, to 83 and uh, robert stoddard who is a member of the uh, council of the birch society said to me uh, at hot springs uh, virginia at a meeting right after 007 went down he always we always agreed among ourselves he said meaning the society that no man was really indispensable but he says now that larry mcdonald is gone uh, i may have to revise my opinion about that but this incident uh, has historical significance because it's like a star shell shot into the air and illuminates a larger landscape and it provides i mean It tells us more about the so-called Christian West than it does the barbarian East. Because, as you have pointed out on several occasions, Otto, uh, we are basically dealing with an Oriental despotism. We're dealing with a bunch of barbarians. And not to recognize that, of this fundamental difference, uh, is uh, is to uh, make several very fundamental errors. Well, look at
2: how long this has been going on.
1: It's been going on
2: since long before World War II. I remember, I believe it was in the 50s, I'm not sure now, there was an American consul in Africa that was forced to eat the American flag. Nothing was done about that. I recall talking to the uh, Southeast Asia desk about the murder of American citizens in Indonesia by communist groups, guerrillas, under the Sukarno administration. And I was told that... This uh, was in the 60s. That was in the 60s. And I was told then that uh, the American rubber companies in Indonesia should have shared ownership with the Indonesians. Well, Goodyear bought its properties in Indonesia in 1918 when the Dutch... Uh, had the area under colonial rule and when Indonesians were barred by Dutch law from owning land. So there was no way Goodyear could have shared that ownership. Uh, We could go on with all the different things that uh, all the different probes that the Soviets had used trying to find a nerve in the American body politic. And it's almost like watching somebody putting needles in the cadaver. Nothing, nothing. Has come, there has been no manly reaction. There's no thought of doing anything to injure the Soviets anywhere in the world. The only sanctions that were, dis- were even suggested by right wing fanatics, of course, was uh, in canceling the wheat sale, in uh, canceling credits. And and, 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 was and uh, doing was, things like that. Yeah,
1: it was the Democrats, as a matter of fact, that were more insistent in reading the transcript uh, of the Senate debates. It was highly significant that the most vociferous advocates of a grain embargo were not the Re- Reagan Republicans, but Senator Robert Byrd of West Virginia, the former majority leader, uh, Senator Patrick Moynihan, uh, the Democrat of New York, and a whole host of people. Here's something else interesting uh, that I found out. Did you know that John Glenn and um, Mr. Cranston, who are seeking the presidential nomination of their own party and the presidency of the United States, did not vote for the resolution condemning the shooting down of 007 of the of the United States?
2: They didn't want to give offense?
1: I don't know. I haven't gotten around to that. I'm, 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 I have them on my list. In terms of calling their AAs and finding out why they were absent, Glenn was there, but did not vote. Mm. And there were several people who, who, uh, in the House who didn't, uh, were present but did not vote. And so I don't want to indicate to any of you that, that I think the Reagan administration is involved. It's Congress, Congress, the House and the Senate. It's extraordinary. The first time an elected leader uh, political, an elected official of the United States government is murdered by a foreign power in our history, and there is no attempt uh, to in any way redress this terrible wrong. Moreover, uh, Scoop Jackson, Senator Henry Jackson of Washington, was eulogized and in some ways Properly so, more consistently and more loudly and longly than than than, uh, than Mary McDonald. and and so you, as you see the aspects of the double o zero zero seven story it has its theological aspect, it has its moral aspect, it has its political aspect. The dimensions of this are so broad that it has even astonished me now that I've gotten deeply into the into writing the book. Uh, for example, there is a significant corollary of events to be drawn between November of 1982, when Yuri Andropov came to power. You can trace a ascendant line of activity in the far Pacific on the part of the Soviet naval power, the build-up at Sakhalin Island. Uh, the A whole series of events took place which hardly uh lead any objective person looking at the evidence to conclude that this was some kind of idle accident that this was some aberration of the military mentality in moscow it was part uh, i think and i'd like i'd like your views too it seems to me that it was an act of terrorism calculated and cold-bloodedly so
0: yes i believe it was an act of terrorism i also believe that it was a test A moral test of the United States to see how much will to resist uh, there would be on the part of the United States I think they found us surprisingly soft I think they may have been surprised at the popular reaction and the fact that airline pilots the world over reacted very negatively and boycotted for periods of time flights to the Soviet Union. But I think what they learned was what they were trying to find out. How much resistance is there in the United States? And what they found out was that we are about as soft as Otto told me at the time as melted butter.
2: Well, we have some very curious things happening. The Pope is shot and the American Catholic Church barely turned over in bed.
1: As a matter of fact, Cardinal Kroll, is, there was a fascinating article in the Wall Street Journal, auto quoting the various cardinals, Medeiros before, it, before he passed on, uh, several of the Catholics, and they all were of a unanimous view that yes, the Soviet Union is atheistic, Yes, uh, it is bent on world domination. Yes, it is probable that they, Andropov was involved in giving the order to try to murder a Polish pope because he feared, uh, quite clearly that, uh, the Polish Catholic Church might not only be in rebellion against the all-powerful Polish state, but that it would spread to the Eastern Right Church in the Ukraine and in Lithuania and in Czechoslovakia and all of them, Medeiros, Kroll, and all of them said, but we must negotiate with the communists because of nuclear war. That in itself is another aspect, is it not? You as a theologian yes. would probably be better than I. To, to, but it seemed to me as a layman and as a, as, as a, as a Catholic educated by the Jesuits, I was astonished that uh, that men who are who are uh, princes of the church would would react to the attempt on the life of uh, of, of, of the Holy Father uh, in, such, in such a way which was almost typically classic
2: politician. Well, the Catholic Church and the Protestant churches have been very silent about the Christians of Poland or any other country. Hmm. Have they not? Yes. So why, uh, if they won't do anything about the persecution of millions, uh, would they do something about a leader who is leading them in a direction that is not, in their view, very liberal? We Go ahead, Yes, I agree
0: emphatically. The fault begins in the churches. The churches are derelict. They are producing not Christians, but spineless liberals. As a result, it's not any surprise that this country and the countries of West, uh, Western Europe are in the moral decline they are in. Freedom is no longer prized, it's only security. We heard R.E. McMaster say that the average American spends 15 years in front of the television set in his lifetime. Well, six hours a day. Yes.
1: Or or at least four hours a day. Yes.
0: And uh, you have to add to that all the time he spends on weekends especially during the sports season, and it's quite a bit. And yet he finds it very difficult to spend uh, an hour a year in the study of the faith and reading the Bible or reading something that is serious Christian literature. He can't do it. He doesn't have time for it. Is his excuse? Well, it produces a flabby church. It produces a church that, because it has compromised itself spiritually, is ready to compromise on every
1: issue. But what do you make of the? the, All right, so the church didn't get upset, Rush and Otto, about the um, uh, the attempt on the uh, on the life of the pope. He survived miraculously by the by the grace of God. Uh, but at the same time, uh, you have an, in, you have a, the murder of 269 people. Everybody gets indignant, gets outraged. I mean, the leadership of the churches just condemns it. And then they go back to business as usual. How do you explain that? Well, uh, I think there's a certain
2: paralysis of the imagination. They don't believe that their lives are in jeopardy. It's very hard for the average American living in this great garden to understand that what is at issue is whether or not he's going to live. We're going to be killed off unless we can stand up. The churches don't believe that. I really sometimes think that the average American doesn't believe that the Atlantic Ocean lapping on the shores of New York also laps on the shores of France, or the Pacific doesn't reach to Japan, that these are only names and legends, that such lands don't actually exist. What we're talking about here is grave peril. The Soviet Union can shoot down anyone it chooses, It has conveyed that message very clearly, not only uh, regarding 007, but on many different ways and on many different times. Uh, There was an Englishman recently imprisoned in Moscow, and uh, one of the advisors, I understand, said to Andropov, he's a British subject, you know. And Andropov said, I don't think the Queen is going to go to war for Mr. Cohen, or whatever his name was. So, the wave of fear went across the United States. A lot of this indignation that was expressed by the officialdom was actually, uh, I think, hypocritical. I listened to Mr. Reagan. At the end of his talk, uh, that particular radio talk, I turned it off before the commentators intervened with a feeling that we were going to lose. First time in my life. I don't think Congress was angry over Macdonald. They removed an irritant as far as the average congressman was concerned. The American Congress agreed with the Soviets that he should have been put away. And officialdom was not indignant. It was only the people. Now, this isn't unprecedented. Britain would never have gone to war with Germany over Poland if it hadn't been forced to by the British people.
1: The British people had had enough of Hitler. And that irritant called Winston Churchill and Anthony Eden? Well, I don't include Anthony Eden. Well, he was he was very much on Churchill's side. He resigned, if you recall, from the... Uh, from the um, Chamberlain cabinet, all over the issue. But anyway, that's yes. it. Well, one of our speakers
0: in this conference, uh, Jeffrey, is mm-hmm. Senator Bill Richardson.
1: Mm-hmm. In California. the yes. Senator
0: of California, right. And Bill has made the point more than once that in terms of practical politics, anything back of three months before an election doesn't count. Because the Voters have a short memory. Therefore, politicians are concerned with what happens three months before an election. Now, we're going to see, and I believe Bill is right there, if a memory develops in the American people over this episode. And I think that's going to tell us a great deal about what happens in the future. If there is definitely a change in the American character. If there is a restoration of a Christian character underway at Christmas time and New Year's Americans still will be angry over the 007 and over the murder of Larry McDonald. They will still hold it against both parties that they were so contemptible and their reaction.
2: Now, you have made a very important point. At the time that England, finally, England's government, the Church Chamberlain government is the one that went to war against Germany. Mm -hmm. It was forced to by public opinion. And then the English politicians, knowing that all of them were equally guilty, agreed amongst themselves that there would be no further elections in Great Britain until the war was over. All elections were suspended, and they made a coalition government. Now, we have a calendar sort of government. We can't postpone an election, or at least we never have, under the guise of a national emergency. But we could if we wanted to. And we have, in effect, a coalition government. Uh, our presidents all say the same things. They all promise the same things, and they all break their promise as soon as they get into office. We have been repeatedly betrayed by the men we've elected to the presidency for a long time. For a whole generation. How long will this government endure when it has made itself distasteful to the people? Why should it endure? It's dishonorable. It's cowardly. It is not protecting us, either at home or abroad. We're not safe in our homes, and we're not safe in the air. How long will this go on? How long will this conspiracy of silence last?
0: Yes, we see a growing softness manifested. The question is, when will the revulsion come? A couple of episodes in the past week or so I think are very revealing of what's happening at the top. We had the FAA return to active duty, recertify a pilot who had a sex change operation.
2: (laughs) (laughs) Klinger.
1: This
0: uh, pilot decided to become a woman returned to duty after the operation, and the other pilots objected, saying that that pilot had expressed suicidal wishes prior to the operation and decided to try the sex change as an alternative to suicide. The FAA recertified him and ordered Eastern Airlines to... Uh, rehire him, so don't fly Eastern, Jeffrey. We want you around.
2: <laughs>
0: and uh, the psychiatrist who examined uh, he, she, or it uh, said they would be happy to fly with this person. The other case is a Boy Scout uh, uh, scoutmaster who was discharged because he was a homosexual. And the courts have just said that that is discrimination. Now, the question is, will the people take much more of that? If they do, we deserve whatever we get.
2: Mm -hmm. Well, it's uh, not possible for a government to frustrate the majority of the people of any nation, and stay in office as long as there is a democratic system. One of our problems, of course, is that the parties nominate the candidates, and the parties are not responsive to the people. The little girls uh, who run the party, uh, old ladies in tennis shoes or whoever they are, uh, make their own selections, and we choose from their selections. But uh, historically... No government of this sort has ever survived. The French Third Republic led France to collapse, (coughs) to collapse before Germany. The government of Holland collapsed in World War I. The government of Belgium collapsed. The government of Norway collapsed. The government of Sweden collapsed. We have seen in our time, or I've seen in my time at least, all these various collapsed before the enemy and I have seen the myth that everyone will automatically fight to defend their homeland demolished it is a myth men cannot fight without a leader and they can't fight without leaders there's no such thing as an army with no generals or officers there's only a mob so if we have a government that is not leading
1: then we are helpless before the world it was very interesting uh uh, in the research and a lot of... and I think this is going to be the value of the book, which is why I've written it, is that I have made it a very factual presentation of things that preceded uh, 007 and things that followed 007, both domestically and particularly internationally. <coughs> Excuse me. And um, it's interesting uh, to note that... Um, and people are vaguely aware of this, but I have focused it in for them. Did you know, uh, Russian Otto, that we signed a grain deal with the Soviet Union and lifted the embargo on pipeline technology six days before they shot that aircraft down? No. You even you? I'm surprised, Otto, no, because you're very well—you keep up on things like it. The exact time it was on the 24th. And you know, the reason I've raised this point is not only what I hope is the value of the book of focusing in, and the the book thus far as I've done it is studded with these kind of things. Most important is that people remember that jiggling Jimmy with the chiclet smile, i.e. President James Earl Carter Jr., did, despite his despicable behavior in the face of the Ayatollah Khomeini, did cut off grain to the Soviet Union when they went into Afghanistan. He did take action in terms of uh, cancelling America's participation in the Olympics. He did try and send the desert force out there to retain the hostages and failed. And yet, Ronald Reagan, in contrast, did nothing. Mm-hmm. And this is an extraordinary illumination of the lack of leadership, as as you talk about. And um, I think that while people generally won't focus in on things that I've just mentioned that are going to be in the book, I think the contrast has been drawn, because, you know, I've heard people time and time again, even on on the metro subway in Washington, when this first took place, they said, well, at least at least Carter did something. Oh. Reagan's done nothing.
0: There is a statement I heard a few years ago, Jeffrey, that I thought was all too true. It's a rather blunt statement and perhaps not the best to repeat. But I'm afraid it was all too true, and I feel ashamed whenever I think of it. I haven't been able to forget it you remember a few years ago when you had just come back from Nicaragua?
2: <laughs>
0: you uh, interviewed Otto and myself and two or three others. Yeah, I remember it one very vividly. Sunday afternoon, I think it was, yes, it, at a radio station or TV station right.
1: in, uh, in San, Diego. San Diego. Right,
0: right. Yeah. Well, uh... There were several of us there. Dr. Philip Powell, the distinguished historian of Latin America, right. who is here at this conference. Yeah. You probably...
1: You yeah, I saw him? Yes. Yeah.
0: And there was uh, another man there, a Latin. And I think you had Otto inside to interview him. Yeah. And I asked him, tell me, uh, plainly, how do the Latin Americans regard the United States? And he looked a little embarrassed and uh, didn't say anything. And I said, no, go ahead, and tell me. What's their reaction? And he said, they have a saying. It's this. The North Americans, they have no balls.
1: <laughs>
0: now... If the Latin Americans feel that way, the Soviet Union does. The whole world does. And it tells us that we have a grim future because they're going to challenge us and push us because that's the conclusion they come to. And that's the conclusion they've got to come to in view of the Reagan administration's reaction to the shooting down of the 007 and Larry McDonald.
2: Well, don't forget, this isn't the end. No. No. This is not even the beginning of the end. No. We're going to continue. Oh, they tried to kill the Pope, and they may kill him yet. Yes. They did shoot down that plane. Mr. Reagan was shot, and he may be shot again.
1: Yes.
2: And eventually... We are going to reach the stage of the Italians where the kneecapping and the killing of Aldo Moro and other leaders will take place here.
1: Why hasn't it happened thus far, anything? Well, they're
2: holding off. They don't want to wake us up. Uh, they know that all you have to do to put the Americans to sleep is to say a couple of kind words to a visiting congressman, and everybody turns around and snores away. So uh, there's no point in waking us up until all the links of the chain have been connected.
1: They're trying to put the infrastructure in place, that's for sure.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: When I was in Mexico, um, um, as a matter of fact, you took me to the airport in uh, Tijuana. Where that's right, yeah. When I went down to Mexico, I found out some very revealing things. This was, uh, what, two or three years ago, Two or three it? years ago. Yeah, two or three years. Otto took me to the Tijuana Airport from San Diego to, to take a flight to Mexico City. And it was very significant. I got down there and I talked to several people. And I was told in unequivocal terms by someone uh, who is very well connected down there, who was a guest a person that I was visiting and who was in the Mexican government, that they are already putting an infrastructure... Along the border towns from San Diego in the west to Brownsville in the east. Mm-hmm. That these are, they have, they have organized. And I said, well, why are they doing this? And I remember this was two or three years ago. Uh, the East is very simple. They are, have a view of, uh, of the long view. And they're putting the subversive infrastructure, uh, these infrastructure organizations in place. For the beginning as the support system for an internal terrorism campaign in the United States. And he even went further, which I relayed to a friend of mine who is the president of uh, a grocery, uh, one of the largest grocery manufacturing associations, getting down to, you know, practical things of the effect. He says, you gringos, (laughs) you gringos worry about our oil. You know what we're worried about? I said, what? He says, we're worried about that 50% of your produce is produced in an area which may very well become a target of an internal terrorism campaign. How are you going to feed a population and export if you have terrorism destroying the productive, um, uh, the, uh, preventing people from harv- harvesting what is 50% of the produce that feeds your nation and exports? Yes.
0: If you can shut down California agriculture, within a week you will have rationing across the United States. Very few people appreciate how large a percentage of the food on their table comes from California.
1: They simply have no awareness of that fact. And the president of this company, of this association, who is a long time personal friend of mine, when I told him that, and he knows, he knows my track record, he says, Jeffrey, that's not possible. Apropos of your comment about uh, this divorcing from reality. And here's a man of considerable sophistication, very much shares our both very strong conservative Roman Catholic. Even he would not grasp the clear prospect that this was possible. Mm-hmm. Uh, and he says, oh, Jeffrey, I, I don't really think so. Do you really think so? I said, I said, what do you want to happen? Does someone have to blow away your next-door neighbor or one of your children before you will believe that this is the devil incarnate? You know, I, I'd like to ask you this about a, a, as a theological proposition. Is it that we've lost the belief in the devil? I wonder if if that's the problem. The belief in evil. In in evil and the devil. Evil. We've
0: lost the belief in God, and therefore we've lost belief in good and evil. Mm -hmm. We live in a world where morality is a myth.
2: Well, the uh, United States has not been involved in a major war for over a hundred years. It was in World War One. It was in World War II. Uh, but it came in at the end. Its contributions were material more than they were military, although I don't want to uh, underrate the courage of our soldiers. And uh, we have not been invaded since the War of 1812, and then it was only in a few places. The average American has led the life of a protected girl uh, I un- I understand right now that the, they don't even allow boys to fight anymore in school uh, the nurses come running uh, and uh, they smother them with pillows I mean I don't know how they grow up so what are we going to fight with
1: powder puffs.
2: yes uh, we're going to talk the Russians out of this now uh, since we've not experienced a war, we don't believe, for instance, that Hitler said, alright, if we do manage to invade Britain, which he didn't think he would be able to do, he said, well, we'll make certain plans. Somebody said, what will you do? He said, well, the first thing we'll do is that we'll export to the continent all the men in Britain between the ages of 16 and 60. That would be how he would keep them under control. And we're talking about an enemy in the terms of the Soviet Union which has wiped out several peoples completely, Mm -hmm. including even the uh, one group who represented Lenin's grandparents. Completely wiped out. We're talking about a government that has murdered in its own country 50 million people and uh, would have no compunction whatever in setting up concentration camps from one end of the United States to the other. Uh, I've never been able to find out what happened to the Russian intellectuals after the revolution. Those that didn't escape vanished into the grave. And we're talking about an American population that doesn't believe this instead of that, they believe that nuclear war is going to come, and we're all going to be vaporized they're They're being fed scare propaganda our own government is feeding them fear of propaganda our Our media shudders if anyone criticizes the Soviet aloud so we're we're talking about a nation that is gradually being petrified by fear. A group of... A generation of young men who've been taught never to fight with their fists. If they have to fight, they'll take a knife or a gun, which is a cowardly sort of thing to do. Or
1: old ladies.
2: So forth. But we're really... Uh, now, don't misunderstand me. I think that if we had a different sort of leadership, this country could turn around terribly quickly. We have enormous technical ability. We have a very highly educated in a specific practical way let's say it's vocational education vocationally we're uh, tremendously well equipped people we uh, if we had to put up a resistance we could give the Afghanistan chapter and verse because we're inventive and innovative in practical and immediate uh, and basic material terms our problem is we can't tell a challenge when it comes along
1: Solzhenitsyn, um, among the many things that he said, um, is that his criticism of the West is that we lack moral and civic courage. And I'm wondering what relationship that has. I think you said to me at one of these uh, meetings here in Sacramento, Otto, there are more courageous christians in the soviet union than there are in the united states oh certainly uh they
2: at least they know what christianity is they, they do believe in the devil because they know him Here's and they, they do believe saying. in god and that book under the rubble remember uh-huh. yes yeah, the only people mm-hmm. the kgb could not break were those who had a spiritual faith yes everyone else was breakable So when Larry McDonald converted, the Soviets knew what that meant. Yes.
0: The prophet Isaiah tells us that when a people abandon God, God abandons them and gives them women and children to rule over them. Well, we've had a child-centered culture. We have a feminist culture. And I heard a Southern uh, Baptist preacher a few years ago when Carter was president declare that the prophecy was fulfilled and that Carter was the child who was a president
1: <laughs> you know what what uh, what particularly um, disturbs me about um, about the 007 incident uh, in terms of the of the aftermath of it uh, was the gratuitous one-sided goodwill which from the very beginning was extended by the news media to the Soviet Union. In fact, that even extended to when the South Korean cabinet was almost wiped out in Rangoon, Burma, a month afterwards.
2: How did they excuse the Soviets for that?
1: They merely said that it, uh, it probably wasn't the North Koreans, but was some Burmese set, sect that was uh, involved in it.
2: Some and group of eccentrics?
1: Eccentric. No, no, not eccentric, but just dissidents. No, dissidents. And finally they had to admit, then the State Department changed the line because it's apparent that we now know that when they finally caught guys who were Koreans, you see, before the, before the Burmese police grabbed a, uh, a group of Koreans, that line uh, was manifest. Now it's switched when they were Koreans, they don't know whether they're North or South Korean, it is now shipped to, well, the uh, South Koreans mustn't overreact because if they do, why, uh, you know, it might be very unpleasant. And uh, Yes. Well,
0: when the 007 was shot down, before there was any official word of what had happened, the news media was telling us that it had strayed into Soviet airspace. No one had made a statement about what had happened. No one knew. But they had already told us what the Soviet excuse was going to be and stated it as a fact. And the
1: Soviet Union did not uh, provide that excuse for at least 120 hours of silence. Yes. It was not until the news media broadcast the line that somehow it was an aberration, a mistake, uh, that the Soviets finally came up with their own uh, with the propaganda line that it had already been permeating in the West.
2: It wasn't a mistake. They said their sacred borders had been penetrated, and they don't permit that. And no, they, they don't permit you to penetrate the borders and get out either. So the borders are sacred both ways, coming in and going out.
1: But the uh, the thing that that is most striking about this entire incident, and I, I'm I have this gut feeling, and I, as you both know, I've been doing this a long, long time, and I think I'm a fairly realistic guy when it comes to public opinion and politics. This this has a, a, a quality of silence about it, a seething silence, mm-hmm. and I I see it. Every time I bring this subject up, uh, for example, in the supermarket in Washington, which is run by a group of, of very entrepreneur-minded blacks, they asked me, they said, you're, a, you're in the news media, why is, why is it that the media is doing what it's doing? And these guys are not really into politics and, and foreign affairs. But they say, why doesn't the media make the president try and do something about this situation? He says, it's shocking that they, that they murdered those, those SOBs, murdered innocent people, and we're not going to do anything. He says, what the hell's going on?
2: Well, I can't forget what Eldridge Cleaver said. He said, I can't understand why President Reagan doesn't do whatever he wants to. He's a president, and he's an old man.
1: <laughs> and he's so? right. What can he lose? And, and you got to remember something. Reagan came in. Uh, you see, Lyndon Johnson, Richard Milhouse Nixon, Gerald R. Ford, Rudolph Gerald Rudolph Ford, and James Earl Carter Jr. all suffered from the same uh, downfall. Their promises and their performances created a great chasm that caught up with them, and they fell into that chasm. Mm-hmm. Reagan thinks he's going to get reelected and I will say on October 14, 1983 that if he runs he's going to get beaten simply not because of just 007 that was merely your reaction Otto was very significant I think because you were filled with loathing and disgust for the first time
2: I was actually for the first time I felt if this is
1: our leadership we are lost Not only that, I think, exists, but I think also there's something else. Reagan, more than any political personality in the last two decades, has been Mr. Clean, Mr. Hardline. I mean, the disparity between his promises which brought him to power and his performances in power are so enormous and so wide that uh, that uh, he doesn't know that he's not going to get a second term. And I know for a fact that there are people, and it's just not the new right, but I know people who are basically, or just not going to vote for Reagan.
0: Before this episode took place, I heard Mart Saul being interviewed on television, and he was discussing the inadequacy of the... Uh,
1: Democratic,
0: (laughs) no, the Democratic candidates. And he thought they were so miserable that uh, he questioned whether any of them could be elected if they ran unopposed. (laughs) I think Reagan now is handing the victory to them. This is one election where if we had an alternative, none of the above, uh, most people would uh, mark that. But well, you know, it's a
2: terrible it, condition it leads to people. Yeah.
1: But it, it does it does uh, uh, put forth a proposition that uh, that I think I've heard you express, Rush, on uh, several occasions, and that uh, Ronald Reagan, I think you said to me when I did an interview with you some time ago, has proven that there is no salvation in politics. Mm. Is, or am I... Yes. Yes. Yeah, that he has proven the bankruptcy of the idea that that salvation can come through politics yes. and he illustrates most forcefully the need for uh, a, a, a reconstruction based on Christian principles because you don't have, you don't even I mean these men uh, go to prayer breakfasts and everything and it's basically a sham yes. I'm not, as you know, I'm not a, I'm not a, a devotee of of, uh, uh, of Kierkegaard but I think it was Kierkegaard who once said that A society is in trouble when the institutions, when people give lip service to institutions but no longer believe in them. And I think we're in that very situation that Kierkegaard described. He says the decay can be seen when that kind of lip service to institutions that people no longer believe in. Well,
0: the percentage of voters voting in any presidential election has declined steadily since Woodrow Wilson because that was the beginning of the turnaround and people have lost faith progressively in the political order. Now, I do feel that one of the most significant things in recent years has been the reaction to Jerry Falwell. Jerry Falwell represents a very mild version of fundamentalism. He has been ready to have his college there in Virginia uh, certified, which your hard nosed fundamentalists oppose, and rightly so. So, what we have in Jerry Falwell is really a very mild man who is very mildly conservative. Mm-hmm. But the fact that he has said, that we need to have a moral expression in the political order.
1: Hmm.
0: And because he's organized people to vote, to register and vote, the hue and cry raised against Falwell is a tremendous thing.
1: And so hypocritical.
0: Yes. It is revelatory of the fact that they are afraid precisely of what Jerry Falwell is a small indication of Mm. the changing moral climate, the changing theological climate in this country. People are beginning to think as Christians again. Now, that's our hope. If we're going to have a turnaround, that's where it's going to come. And it's going to be only when the voters put the fear of God into the politicians. And by the fear of God, I mean theologically, the fear of God to make them... Realize we believe there's a God, we want a moral order, and we won't settle for anything less then you'll have a change. I think one indication of that is we have reached a stage in history where there will be one term presidencies
1: well, we've had that's been the last four yeah. well we've we've had a series of weak presidents
2: as this same sort of thing happened before the Civil War,
0: mm-hmm.
2: yeah. and this is one of the things that led to the Civil War was the collapse of the political leadership in the United States. We're watching the collapse of our political leaders.
1: And you know, it's very. It's. I'm glad you brought that up, Otto, because the people had lost faith that they could resolve their 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 problems and disputes through the political system. They gave up on it, and they had every reason. Uh, to abjure doing anything uh, through the political system because of the kind of leadership they had. that was just abominable and abysmal.
0: Well, uh, there's an excellent book uh, just published, Paul Johnson's Modern Times. Uh, Author History of the Enemies of Society. Yes, yes. yes. Yeah. Yeah. He's a, a History guy. of the uh, World from 1920 to 1980. And he has a chapter towards the end on America's will to suicide, which begins with Kennedy being elected to the present. America's will to suicide. Mm -hmm. Now the question is, will we change that to a will to live? Mm. We're only going to do that on a Christian basis. Well our time is just about up is there a last word that uh, either of you have to offer it's good to see
1: you two uh, uh radical roughnecks again <laughs> <laughs> I, know, I, I know I know your your supporters wouldn't like the thing but I've known you guys so long I guess I could say that too and then your conference was superb Oh, brilliant. thank you Yeah, it really uh, uh you know I have to as a reporter I've had to attend all kinds of conferences and you can do half these conferences with your mind out of focus this is the first time in years that my mind has been completely in focus and riveted particularly uh, Otto Scott's uh, uh, talk on uh, the artist as a propagandist yes that was excellent excellent Oh, I'll, I'll have to pay you for that. Uh, I'll bring my shoe shine kit the next time. Very right
2: good. <laughs> Ask anything. You can have it.
0: Well, thank you very much, Jeffrey. Thank you. we we'll uh, look forward uh, to seeing you again out uh, here one of these days. Yes, and sir. maybe in the next time you can come up to Calaveras County and... See how we live there in God's country.
1: I'm going to, I'm going to make a point of doing that. Scott's brow-beating me to come up there and see him yeah. Oh, Murphys, he has,
0: California. He has a most lovely place yeah, and a yeah. beautiful setting, yeah. an ideal library. Well, thank you all for listening. It's been good to be with you again, and we'll be with you again in another two weeks.